1: You are listening to Habs and Minded, brought to you by HabsEyesOnThePrize.com.
0: Hello and welcome to another preview episode of the Canadian Division uh, with the news of the NHL alignment that came in yesterday. Um, Today we are looking into the Winnipeg Jets, the real Winnipeg Jets, not the Arizona Coyotes, uh, with us today, we have a very good friend of Eyes on the Prize, uh, Murat Atesh from The Athletic. Uh, thank you for joining us, Murat.
1: Yeah, Patrick, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be on here.
0: Yeah, we're we, we really excited as well because we hear that you listen to us on, on your walks and, and in the car. It's, it's always good to get some feedback and uh, we, you can leave that for after the pod if you want to, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: I use you guys at draft day uh, or in the lead up to the draft all the time. I'm I'm reading a lot, so um, please know that.
0: Yeah, no, no, no. I've I you mentioned when we contacted each other, and, and uh, I told I said put that down in the group chat, and everyone was super happy to hear. It's always good to hear, and, and you know you read each other's. I read something from you actually uh, after we spoke last time, and your cold prophetic preview uh, or or feature is really really good, and and I like it a lot. Um uh, it's highlighted on, on the Athletic Winnipeg. And if you've got a subscription anywhere in North America or Europe, you can read it. So go in and read it. Uh, it's also good for you to read it before we start discussing the Winnipeg Jets of next season. Are you excited now when the news has broken, Murat?
1: Yeah, I am. I, I can't believe it feels like so soon all of a sudden. January 13th is going to be, is right around the corner I love that there's going to be no preseason games. Camp will be a clean, efficient 10 days. Um, You know, I I have some COVID concerns and all those sorts of things, but the NHL had such a good success over the course of the summer. I'm optimistic. I cannot wait for high-level hockey. I can't wait to see Cole Perfetti after the World Juniors in Jets camp. Same with Billy Hainala, especially. There's just so many reasons to be excited about hockey again in general and then in winnipeg just to take the next step in its storylines too
0: i have to ask like does it feel weird that you know the banners and and all the, the retired jersey hangs in arizona <laughs>
1: um you know i'm not sure i i'd have to ask some of the diehard fans and, and the subscribers about that i know that the connection is still there because i was in arizona for when they retired shane Doan's jersey mm-hmm. And I know that that was a huge deal in Winnipeg. Like a lot of Winnipeg uh, newspapers sent extra staff where there were extra feature stories around that. So the connection lingers on. The exact nature of it, you'd really have to ask the most diehard of fans. Is
0: it is it a dar- Derby? Like, you know, a proper Derby? Not, it can't really be a proper Derby because then you have to live next door to each other. But, but is there still some feelings when you play them?
1: Um, for me, I feel like the The arena, the Bell Mts place gets most loud and raucous for Canadian teams. there' the Winnipeg seems to love to hate Toronto, the Big Brother in some ways the the team that drafted Austin Matthews and then Winnipeg took Patrick Line. Um and we have a bit of an underdog syndrome in Winnipeg as well, where like where we we can criticize ourselves, but you can't, you know? <laughs> you absolutely cannot. and uh, and and sort of standing up to the big cities like Toronto, I think. I think that's one that I've really noticed in the arena.
0: Yeah. You mentioned Cole Perfetti. I have to ask because I'm from Sweden, obviously. Arvid Holm, he has a stellar season right now in, in, in SHL. Uh, he has a 0.923% save percentage in over 15 games. Uh, that's very good, actually, for a junior uh, goaltender or, or a prospect goaltender. He's taken steps every year. Is he one of those players that you keep an extra eye on? For me, yes, absolutely. And the moment for me that
1: I realized that Arvid Holm was special was only a couple months ago, to be honest. I was writing a prospect's uh, ranking for the Winnipeg Jets at The Athletic, and I was like, who is this guy whose numbers continue to improve every year? Winnipeg Winnipeg has been adamant that they don't tend to take goaltenders early in drafts, but they take flyers very late, and they've had such a good track record with that. Connor Hellebuck, most recent Vezina Trophy winner, late round pick. Um, And every year, you sort of have to pay attention and see how these guys do. So the debate in Winnipeg, at least after that prospects feature, is has he surpassed Mikhail Burden as Winnipeg's number one goaltending prospect? And I think he's further away. He hasn't been in North America and played a season here, but... Now, if he can keep this up, I mean, you sort of almost have to rewrite the prospect ranking board if he can do this all season, and maybe even develop even after that.
0: Yeah, and Fairies' thought is a really good team as well, and they are definitely going into the uh, to the playoffs. So he will get that playoff experience that he has lacked in previous years. Um, and and I wouldn't surprise me if he stays another year, but but that could only enhance his development the question will be as Henry Klundqvist another late goalie pick uh, when, we, when we like to talk late goalie picks uh, he said <laughs> it was a little bit different coming over to to because for the angles the shots came from different angles that he wasn't prepared for so it took some while to get used to and maybe that's where you really notice you need an adjustment period to to get over to the North American eyes
1: yeah you know I I used to think it was a bit of a cliche you'd hear you'd hear journalists say it more than anything um to to sort of excuse players who struggled in the early on and maybe try to create an illusion that their ceiling was higher than it is but to really talk to these guys and the the I mean for skaters the angles of four checks they take sort of such specific things but for goaltenders especially I I mean I think that it would be wise for Jets fans to kind of keep a grace period in their mind as he transitions whenever that does happen
0: yeah, and it's not like we're sending down, you know, um, North American kids or, or, or players to the Polish league for, a, you know, a maturing <coughs> session. Uh, if you're smart in hockey and a skater especially, you will adjust quite well, quite fast. And it, it might take a couple of weeks, And but, but you're in there because you practice every day at a certain level anyway. Uh, but starting with goalies, obviously, you mentioned him, Hellebuck, uh, Lesnar winner, Um carrier of this team? Is he that? And or, or is he not? He's almost price esque in a way when in in regards to how he's spoken about partly in Canada, partly in, in Winnipeg. Um can he live up to that hype now?
1: Well that's an interesting one for me because I see the connection. I believe last year in Winnipeg he was the reason why Winnipeg was able to squeak into that ninth seed, make the qualification rounds. I mean, on the day that the season was canceled, Winnipeg was still in the thick of the playoff hunt. And it was, in my mind, because of Connor Hellebuck. And whether you want to use your eyes and just watch the quality chances that Winnipeg gave up last year, we know Dustin Buffin was gone, Jacob Trouba, Tyler Myers, Ben Sherratt, and the replacements were often from the waiver wire. There were some very late summer signings. It was not a great defensive group in Winnipeg. So if you use your eyes, you saw it. If you use numbers, um, well, he Winnipeg gave up the most shots and shot quality in the league. So if you use goal saved above replacement or above expectation, Connor Hellebuck led the NHL by miles, by miles. And to me, he was the reason why they had success. Um, I believe. Now, okay, I gotta focus on this Carey Price thing actually because Connor Hellebuck has never really had. A front runner's reputation up until this point in his career. He wasn't immediately a prize prospect. He had a little bit of transition time in the AHL. His NHL beginning to his career was touch and go. I think everybody knew he was going to be very good. And mostly he's excelled relative to the level he's played at. His college career was amazing. But in the NHL, NHL wide, I don't think he gets that respect, that Carey Price respect despite playing a similar role, I mean, in the last season being shelled and carrying the team, now that he has it, I'm really interested to see how he responds. I think that the story of Connor Hellebuck's career will be written almost now, now that he's a front-runner, chip-on-his-shoulder, trophy-on-his-case.
0: Looking at the season, we have only seen parts and and we hear rumours how the season will go, but it looks to be like there will be two, three, maybe even four games Against the same team in sort of a bubble before they move on to the next team and the next bubble. Um, this will mean that it will be many games that we played back to back, most likely. And this should really favor a 1A, 1B setup in goalie. But can Helleback really carry this team all the way into the playoffs and, and deep into the playoffs? Even if it's a shortened season with what is it, fifty-eight games, something like that, and and th- there's going to be a heavy workload on him.
1: I think so. And and what proportion of the of the fifty-six uh, games that it is that he gets is going to be really interesting to me because you see that one A one B situation, and I know. After that Boston-St. Louis final, Pierre Lebrun wrote a really interesting piece about how NHL teams were transitioning towards lightening the workload as much as possible. I mean, Jordan Binnington and Jake Allen were able to split things. Tuukka Rask and Yaroslav Halak were able to split things. Winnipeg doesn't do that. Winnipeg has been old school. Connor Hellebuck gets the overwhelming majority of the starts. Um, and with the compression of the schedule, you kind of wonder, what's going to give there? What's going to give? Laurent Bressois is backup. Didn't have an amazing season last year. His numbers were below average for a backup. But he's been a solid backup at times in his career. So I'm interested to see if it's an old-school stubbornness approach where Connor Hellebuck says, I'm the guy, you know what, I feel great, let's go. And he gets a lot more back-to-backs than you'd expect. Um, I'm curious to see how that would go for Winnipeg if they go that route, or if there's going to be a sea change for the Jets where they split things a little bit more and give more time to the unproven uh, Laurent Bressois. My guess, honestly... Hellbuck plays a ton and uh, and is still an above average, very good goaltender this season.
0: Looking at it from from that perspective, and uh, you have Brezbois, and, and you're looking at who else can come up, because you have the extended squad, you have the taxi squad that's been called. Is there any other prospects that can come up and, and help offload both goalkeepers, or, or especially if, if one goalkeeper struggles?
1: Well, that's where I think Winnipeg's a little bit thin right now, to be honest. I mean, you saw some teams sign third or even fourth goaltenders with some NHL track record to them, even if they weren't necessarily stars, to, to prepare for this sort of eventuality. With Winnipeg, the next guy in line is probably Eric Comrie. His, his contract is no longer waivers exempt. When they tried to pass him from Winnipeg to Manitoba Moose of the AHL last year, he was claimed he played games for Detroit, Uh, He um, was in Arizona as well. Uh, So he in the between scope where you're not sure if Winnipeg tries to move him from their main squad to their taxi squad, could another team claim him? I'm not sure. Um, But even if they don't, if he's a third goaltender that gets a lot of games, I think that that would be an issue for Winnipeg. His, His short debuts in the NHL so far, not very successful. He doesn't have that track record. He's been pretty good in the AHL. Let's be clear. But there's concerns about his size and and so much more. And he's had some long nights in his short NHL career so far. I think this only serves to underscore how important Connor Hallebuck is to Winnipeg's success in every way, shape or form.
0: Yeah. And in regards to that, if you look at the defense, it's not like the defense, as you mentioned, has been very strong either to back up that, you know, or bail out that unproven goalie or or a, a second goalie that isn't of the same quality.
1: Absolutely. I I think that there are arguments to be made that Winnipeg's defense is better today than it was at the beginning of last season. Um, the biggest difference there is kind of the unheralded re-signing of trade deadline acquisition Dylan DeMello. He's a player that quietly excels. If you want to go the analytics route, you can go back to Ottawa where he was partnered with Shabbat. You can go back to San Jose where he was partnered with Brendan Dillon. He has a long track record of making his partners better. But just to watch him in Winnipeg, What happened with the Jets last season when he arrived was Josh Morrissey was able to switch partners from Tucker Pullman, an AHL veteran, essentially with third-pairing experience. They were the top pair in a lot of ways on paper, Josh Morrissey and Tucker Pullman. Dylan DeMello came in there, and it was a sea change to me. It was a dramatic shift. What Dylan DeMello does so well, he's not a dominant defender, but he'll go into the corner, he'll shoulder check once, fish the puck out. And because he shoulder-checked three seconds ago, he still remembers where all of his teammates are. He makes a smooth outlet pass, and suddenly Winnipeg's going the other way. He's not a, a, a brilliant, incisive passer offensively. He doesn't have a cannon from the point. But his metrics always look good offensively because he spends so little time in his own end. And Winnipeg only got a few games of him at the end of last season. They're going to get a full season of that pairing Morrissey and DeMello with Neil Pionk on the second pair. Now, is that enough to to vault them into the top half of the NHL? No, absolutely not. There's going to be some long nights in Winnipeg's end. I just think it'll be a little bit better, um, despite the difficult workload. It'll be a little bit better this year than last
0: for Hellebuck and Net. Josh Morrissey really led that defense in so many different ways, partly defensively, but also offensively. He he built the offense from 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 his stick in a lot of ways, especially on the power play.
1: Yeah, and he was Winnipeg's first choice on, on the power play to start the season. Interestingly enough, um, I'm not sure if this was an issue of handedness because Winnipeg's top power play really depends on uh, on three right-handed shooters. Mark Scheifele in the slot pass across the ice, and then it became Neil Pionk at the point. And originally that was Dustin Bufflin back in the day. It worked so well. Because Blake Wheeler on the half-wall, all those three right-handed shooters were prime one-timer options for him. Um, A left-handed shooter receiving a pass from Wheeler on the wall has to stop it or shovel it or redirect it, whereas the right-handers can take a one-timer. That may be why Neil Pionk was moved into that role. Um, And then from there, offensively, I would say Pionk uh, really surpassed expectations and gave Winnipeg, you know, I thought he was going to be a third-pairing guy with a little bit of power play time, and he showed maybe a top-four caliber season. Uh, by the end of the year. I think it's 45 points he finished with last season. And the really weird thing, I'm going to add one more. I know we're talking, Josh Morrissey (laughs) is is the most important defenseman on Winnipeg's blue line. But Pionk being surprising, I guess that's where I'm going with this. If you go five on four points per minute in the NHL last year and you just do a basic screening for those guys who play two minutes or whatever, you just, Mm -hmm. you know, screen a little bit. Your top five players in the National Hockey League, five on four points per minute. Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, David Pasternak, Mika Zibanejad, Neil Pionk. And that one of those names doesn't quite belong <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. And it was because of Winnipeg's power play, kind of uh, of the right-handed shooter getting so many touches. And it's a big mystery whether it's going to be Pionk or Morrissey that really takes that charge uh, moving forward, I think, in Winnipeg.
0: You brought him up. Will Pionk be able to deliver or will there be a sophomore slump?
1: Well, it's an interesting one to me. I believe in his abilities with the man advantage to a certain degree. Um, I think he's a smart player. He's a patient player. He benefits and he knows where uh, Winnipeg's more premier scorers. He knows who to give the puck and when. Um, but he doesn't have a, a great shot from the point. His past to Patrick Laine has been criticized for being slow and kind of reducing the impact that Laine is able to have. Um, but yet, He did this in Winnipeg and even in New York the previous season when he was struggling sometimes at even strength. On the power play, he was ninth in five on four points per per minute. So there seems to be something there. I need more of a track record at least one more season before I think that that's absolutely his baseline performance. I I think he's not the most dynamic of Winnipeg's five players on the power play to be sure, but it went well. Uh, and, And Winnipeg's ability to take what worked and add to it and, and move back into the top 10 of the NHL power play efficiency would help paper over so many of their defensive shortcomings at even strength, I, I think, if they could do it.
0: Yeah, so so how would you build... Because the question is, behind those three p- people that you have mentioned, or, or, mentioned or, or the first pairing is solid, as you mentioned, you didn't see enough of, of, of the acquisition, uh, but Josh Morrissey is there, and then you got Pionk on the second unit, but who do you back him up with, and... What does it look behind there? Because that's where really Hellebuck has had to you know, bail everyone out.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with that. And it's, that's where you get into the soft underbelly of the Winnipeg Jets. And I don't mean that from a toughness perspective, because incidentally, a lot of the bigger defensemen happen to be in those, in those slots behind the top three of Morrissey, DeMello, and Pionk. But, but just in terms of equality, in terms of chance prevention, there's a question. I think Winnipeg will try to line Derek Forbert up with Neil Pionk on that second pairing. He's a big guy. He's played some PK minutes um, at at times, a defense first sort of counterpart to Pionk's offensive skills. But the last time that he really excelled in a top four role, his partner was Drew Doughty and the Los Angeles Kings were very good. So uh, since then he's had injuries. He played third pairing for the Flames last season. uh, I think he played 20 games total. Uh, and then a little bit in the playoffs as well, I mean, predominantly on the third pairing. There's a question mark whether he can step back into a top four role and have that defensive impact that he traditionally does have uh, with a what I will call a lesser partner than he's used to having. So there's a question. And if it's not him, then who is it? Because Nathan Beaulieu would be next up. Traditionally, he's a
0: third and Montreal knows defensive. about him.
1: <laughs> but yeah, Montreal will know Nathan Beaulieu's uh, foibles and strengths very, very well um so you you know that there's a question about how how for how long you can depend on him in, in that heavy minute sort of situation um and then after that is prospects whether it's Ville Hainala the 19 year old Finnish player who will be at the World Juniors uh who's there getting ready to play right now or Dylan Sandberg a college prospect who has finished his college career and projects it as a top four defenseman eventually but I find with a lot of those guys if you look at you know a sample of 20 college defensemen who became top four defensemen in the NHL, something like the, an average of 18 of them play in the AHL before they play in the NHL. And so Sandberg may be a, a distant bell. So after those top three players, and there's no Norris Trophy winner among them, let's be clear, but after those three players, there's so many question marks, and that's what's going to lead to long nights, I think, at times in Winnipeg's zone.
0: Would it be smart to, to pair Pionk with, with Heinola? I mean, the offense would be be generated, but uh, you might put Hainala uh, in a spot where he can succeed rather than he will have to learn on the job. That's an interesting one to me because, I mean, Heinela's concern
1: until he proves everybody wrong will always be size and his ability to handle, uh, you know, larger NHL forwards. But he moves the puck extremely well. And Neil Pionk is similar to that. He... You know, I, I think Ville Hainala could surpass Pionk as a passer and a distributor at the NHL level. I really rate Hainala's potential very highly. But I can imagine those two players needing an extremely offensive role um, with a lot of offensive zone starts, whatever the coach could do to protect them. Else, um, you know, else it, they'd be easy pickings in a sense for size, unless somehow they're already so good at moving the puck that they get out of the zone. Winnipeg has experience with Toby Enstrom, who was under the size question his entire career, but who simply boxed out so well and who moved the puck so well with Dustin Bufflin that he barely spent any time in his own zone. He created so much more than he gave up. Even when his offense went south at the end of his career, he created so much more than he gave up. So for me, could Ville Handel play in that role? I think so. I think it would be worth looking at, but I think it would be too soon in his career for me to say that's the answer for the 2021 Winnipeg Jets.
0: Yeah, and getting a twenty-year-old a defender to come in and, and carry that role is is not really heard of either.
1: Yeah, I mean, he would have to go instant Miro Heiskanen in terms of a player he looked up to and, and and copied his career path. And I just think that that's a lot to ask.
0: That's a lot to ask for for anyone. Miro Heiskanen is one of a kind, isn't he?
1: And I say yes. that as a sweet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, partly. Yeah. So, no,
0: but but yeah, the defense is what what. When I read up a little bit about Winnipeg, the defense is what stands out. This is where, where things can happen and spiral out of context quite fast. But looking at the forward group, you have Mark Schiffel, you have Blake Wheeler. We have my favorite, obviously the Punisher of Puck himself, Patrick Leine. And, and can he come back? Because his last season was not what everyone expected.
1: Well, I I think so. I think that Patrick Line is in a in a great position this year. You know, there have been some rumors about trade, not as far as trade requests, but gentle messages to to Winnipeg Jets management that perhaps he would be best served elsewhere. And we know Patrick Line has been vocal about how much ice time he gets or how much minutes he gets with Mark Scheifele in the past. Uh, so that that whole distraction is separate from kind of how I evaluate it. But whenever I think about those trade rumors. I think Patrick Lyon is 22 years old. I mean, it's easy for Jets fans to forget that or NHL fans to forget that because he's been in the league. Over the last four years, he's scored the seventh most goals in the National Hockey League. It feels like he's been around for a while. He's 22 years old. Most players offensively, whether it's points or, you know, wins above replacement, peak from 23 to 28. The guy who has scored the seventh most goals is about to enter prime scoring years Um, And because Winnipeg went out and acquired or reacquired Paul Stastny, there's no question that Patrick Leine will play with a good center all of the way through, uh, all the way through this season. So if you're the Winnipeg Jets, I think you hold on to him no matter what his situation contractually becomes down the road. This is a season where he's in a great position to make hay and have perhaps the best offensive season of his career. And I don't think... I saw
0: saw him in that Liga playoffs, you know, that was ridiculous. Everyone knew he was going to score, and he just took the puck and scored, much like Kovechkin. <laughs> you know, it was ridiculous. It was like, yeah, he's going to shoot from there. Yeah, we know he's going to score from there. Yeah, we know, and and it was ridiculous. And and he had that the first season he came into the league. He was surrounded by really good players. He was he got the ice time he wanted. He got the power play uh, power play minutes, and and it wasn't really many minutes because he scored quite often on them. But but and there was rumors obviously i was cheering for them to to end up in in montreal uh most of us were the question was what the price would have been and and there were certain untradeable pieces that i think winnipeg was after romanov would probably have been on the on the on the board for winnipeg with the defense looking like it does uh but yeah i mean he is that kind of sniper that everyone talks about and wants to have and he has if you're comparing it to montreal he has the size compared to Caulfield.
1: Hmm. Uh, sorry, I, cut, I I said hmm, but it just cut out for a second. Could you say that again? Yeah,
0: he has the size compared to um, Cole Cowfield.
1: Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. I so, think people forget that line is a big man.
0: Yeah, because he doesn't play like it all the time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's... You know, I was talking to Paul Maurice at the beginning of last season, and... He said that one of the things that he thought Patrick Laine would surprise people with would be his ability to play a power forward game sometime, uh, sometimes, pardon me. And there are moments where Laine takes over a game physically. And there are even defensively at times, if he's engaged with somebody one-on-one and he's in position, and he's playing one-on-one, he has the size and strength to excel in that sort of way. But at five on five, there's still questions and just about the puck on a stick in transition, getting it over Winnipeg's line, making that clean breakout, keeping it in in the offensive zone. Um, and so for me, his next step in his career is going to come when he knows when is he the primary puck carrier? When does he need to get rid of it? When is he going to look for soft ice and shoot? When does he need to crash the dangerous areas? And when does he ne- need to turn on that power forward ability um, and, and really lay the body on some players? And I think that he's still figuring out when to use which part of his skill set at the NHL level. And that's part of why I think... Because I, I think he's going to solve those problems, is, is how I'm projecting it. So that's part of why I think he's in a good position to have a really good year as well.
0: And and really, when you look at it, it comes down a little bit to his skating. And we saw another Finn, uh, yesterday caught He worked on his skating this offseason and, and before the playoffs. And he came back as a much better player. And it wouldn't surprise me if... if uh, Lina has done the same thing when he came came back to Finland and worked really hard on that skating to get up to speed, to get control, and 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 um, I know there are some really good skating coaches in Finland. And I hope he's used it. He's one of my absolute favorite favorites in in, in the NHL. Um, I remember, I still do. It's one of the first things I look up is the Winnipeg Jets highlights to see if Lina scored. And and uh, well, now I'm going to dread it a little bit more because we're going to play each other a little bit more often.
1: So many times.
0: <laughs> but you also have Mark Sheffield and and uh, Blake Wheeler on that uh, unit. And you have, as you mentioned, re-signed uh, Paul Statsny. Um, this should only benefit because suddenly you get a little bit deeper down the middle and it should benefit Winnipeg Jets to, to maybe... And, and Paul Statsny's defensive game helps out as well.
1: I think so. I think that if you're... Again, I'll mention Paul Maurice's name, but if you if you're the coach of the Jets right now, the lines kind of write themselves. You have Scheifele as your number one center, Paul Stastny is your number two, and then you can go to Adam Lowry on on the third line, who traditionally you pair him with Andrew Copp, a really strong defensive, uh, I would say center, but he plays wing on that line. Um, and they've had such success in a shutdown capacity. So it's a little bit old school to have two scoring lines and a checking line. I think modern NHL teams mostly look to balance skill and and grit across their top nine, if at all possible. Um, But if you're Paul Maurice, you can go back to, the last time Winnipeg was excellent was 2017-2018. They went to the conference finals, eventually lost to Vegas. Um, That model, and Stastny was on that team, that model of two scoring lines around Shifley and Wheeler on the top line and then Stastny and Line A on line two with Kyle Connor and, uh, and Nick Ehlers sort of switching back and forth depending on what was appropriate on left wing at the time. That's a great top six. That's a really strong top six with a few different skill sets. Um, so I think your forwards in Winnipeg are set and it'll just be a question on how well they execute. Mark Shifley is a franchise center, one of the best offensive players in the game. I have some questions about his defense. He's, he's still out producing his defensive issues. But I think that there's a level that he can hit that's even higher than what he's at. Uh, if he does, Winnipeg is sailing. If he doesn't, well, then you have to worry about that defense once again. And um, I'm rambling now, but the truth is yeah, I think that you're right to point out their strength uh, up front.
0: Um, one of the questions I've actually had is Paul Maurice himself. He's won the Stanley Cup. He's an old-style kind of coach, as, as we spoke a little bit about here as well, with you know, two, two driving lines and Two checking lines. He's worked that quite well. But is he really the right man to lead a younger Winnipeg Jets forward?
1: Um, that's an interesting question. It's one that you know the critics of Winnipeg Jets have, have been uh, have been harping at for a little while because he carries with him that old school reputation of play the veterans. Um, it seems every year Winnipeg's acquiring a Matt Hendricks or a Mark Latestu or a Nate Thompson a late career person who doesn't have tremendous potential, but has that veteran edge to him kind of deal. And some fans believe that that's at the expense of young players. And at the same time, the, the opposite of that would be when Kyle Connor came into the league very young, he was immediately put with uh, Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler and given a prime offensive minutes and an opportunity to succeed. You've seen second line tight minutes for Nick Eellers and Patrick Line almost instantly from their breaking it in into the NHL so to me it's it you have you have successes um so for every Nick Patan or other young player who you might have question marks about, I think that you have some tremendous successes as well so i I'm not ready to to throw out his reputation based on that alone. I think that where where I think Winnipeg's coaching needs to get to, in my opinion, is when I watched the playoffs this year, the teams that went particularly deep, at five on five, their offense had ways to move the puck to the middle that that the Winnipeg Jets don't have. Winnipeg depended on the rush, and they depended on the cycle on the end boards behind the net and didn't generate a ton of quality offense from that last year. You watch Barry Trotz's Islanders, uh, you watch the Bruins, you watch the Stanley Cup champion, Lightning, well, they can play that offensive zone almost like a basketball court where they can attack the middle of the ice from every single angle and they have roots and set plays. Um, Winnipeg doesn't have that right now. And I think that that's an area Paul Maurice acknowledged at the end of season press conference that as much concern as we all have about the defense, he doesn't like the quality of offense they're getting. I think he's in a position in his career with this team where he really needs to get those best practices back uh, and... and um, and readapt towards making Winnipeg more of a modern-style hockey team. In 2017-2018, I think he did exactly that. Winnipeg had an extremely aggressive forecheck, where as soon as teams tried to break the puck up the wall, you had Dustin Bufflin or Tyler Myers or Jacob Truba stuffing that breakout. They were one of the most aggressive teams in the league from that perspective. I think they've lost it without those players. And I also think that style of play is was modern in 2017, 2018. I think there have been new developments led by other coaches at this stage. Um, so I think that there does need to be a coaching retool in Winnipeg. And I think we were talking, this was just before we went online, but um, good writers borrow, great writers steal. I think that Winnipeg's success from a coaching perspective will be about Paul Maurice stealing successfully or unsuccessfully from around the NHL. Um,
0: looking at the forward to the trade deadline, was it in in April? Was it? it feels so weird. It's yeah. it's where, where, whenever the trade deadline is. Um, hopefully, you'll be uh, buyers. But what are you prepared at that time to give up to maybe do that run? In in what you also have to appreciate in some ways that there will be a Canadian team in the semifinal this year. We know that for sure. And and yeah, that's it, fun.
1: That's fun for me as somebody who'd like to see a Canadian team win the Stanley Cup. I mean.
0: 1993 Except was a Toronto time then. ago. Pardon me? Except
1: Toronto then. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it's, it's Toronto. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I come with the Prairie Kids um, resentment of Toronto, the big city as well. Um, but so what would I say to that? I Winnipeg's going to be an interesting situation because only one team from Canada is going to go all the way. And I don't think that... I think Winnipeg's kind of in that four to six range. They may make, you know they're in the range of competitors in that division as opposed to a favorite. The other thing I think that's going to weigh on them a little bit is to get cap-compliant cap between now and when the season starts, they're going to have to move Brian Little to long-term injured reserve. Mm-hmm. So as opposed to Winnipeg's most recent seasons where they accrued cap space throughout the year and were able to use it on big acquisitions at the deadline, whether it was Paul Stastny two years ago or Kevin Hayes, um, Cody Eakin and Dylan DeMello last year, I'm not sure Winnipeg, from a cap perspective, is going to be able to add as much, unless it's a dollar-for-dollar dollar scenario, because I believe with long-term injured reserve, they're going to be up against that cap and into their relief pool um, all season long. And a relief pool doesn't build up every day the same way free cap space does. So I think that's going to be a driving force behind some of their decisions
0: too. So um, it, it would be prudent, maybe, uh, for, to, to say that um, they will not go all-in this year, no matter how, how, how it looks at Comtrade line. For me, that's kind
1: of how I see it. I, th- I think this is a really, it's, it's a year with potential because Winnipeg's forwards are what they are and Connor Hallebuck is who he is. Um, that Stastny acquisition was definitely designed to give Winnipeg centre depth such that it can compete, but it continues to feel in a small way Maybe it's because of the LTIR situation. Mostly it's because of the defense. It begins to feel like Winnipeg's second of two transition years, whereas next year you can count on Heinola and Sandberg and other solutions on defense in a way that you might not be able to quite yet. Um, so I think if, if you're looking at all in for the Jets, this might not be that year, unless the cards and the wins just start piling up in a way that I can't see from here.
0: Indeed. And you, you mentioned it. Um, so which four teams go through? from the Canadian division?
1: Well, I hate to say it, you know, I, I respect Toronto's depth, uh, so I think that they're among uh, among the favourites. I would have put Edmonton kind of right behind there, but I think Oster Kleffbaum is a huge loss. I think he's just a tremendous defenseman for that team, and I know that they added Tyson Berry, and I know that they, you know, made some some acquisitions. I think that they'll be one of the teams because I won't bet against that on mcdavid com- combination for too, too much longer. Um, and then... I think my mind goes to Vancouver and Calgary because I like Calgary in that they're going to have their first full season under Jeff Ward, who I think took some time to get his footing under him in terms of line combinations and strategies with the Flames last year. Um, I like their goaltending acquisition of Markstrom from Vancouver. I think that was Calgary's biggest issue all last season, despite being a reasonably solid team. In Vancouver, I I can't bet against Elias Pettersson. I just just can't. (laughs) Uh, and so those are who I see as the favorites, with Montreal and Winnipeg being that next two that could easily steal a spot from one of those initial teams if uh, if the cards go right, if they start hot, if they get the, play, the performance that they need to.
0: Nice save there. We were we were thinking about never inviting you back on the pod.
1: <laughs> well, I love the Josh Anderson acquisition. I don't know about the contract, but I love him as a player. And I, I, no, like I was more games.
0: thinking that you would left Montreal out of the playoffs.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll see.
0: Yeah, no, it's it's great. We're here with Murat uh, Atesh uh from the Winnipeg Jets part of uh, the Athletic. Um finally, um is there any prospect you want to highlight that that you haven't already that you think is going to come in, maybe not this year, or be part of the taxi squad this year and and maybe go for a a full season next year?
1: Well, a sentence each on Ville Hanela, who for me the way that he has the puck on his stick, the patience that he shows in letting in letting plays open up because he's he can read them that much better and stay a little bit more patient, wait an extra half second. It reminds me of Mark Shifley, which is a strange uh, strange comparison, but he has such patience in terms of his distribution. He makes plays others can't, so whether that's now or later, I think he's going to be an NHL player in in a really exciting way because of that passing. Um, Cole Perfetti, I think he's at long odds to make the Winnipeg Jets this season in a meaningful way because of that Stastny acquisition, but he's such a smart, cerebral player. He'll have a big role for Team Canada at the World Juniors. He'll be hitting training camp running. I think he'll stick with the team. Well, Whether he'll get those six games or not, we'll see. That's yet to be determined And the last name that I have to mention, because I haven't mentioned it even once, I don't think in talking to you today, David Gustafson to me is just an underrated prospect in a huge way. He's a big guy. He has good hands, even though he's known for being defensively responsible. I just think that he's so smart and can do so many things that he'll catch on one way, shape or form, whether that's third line center or even more than that, if things go right. I think he's just such a cerebral player with size, strength and hands. And, And I think that um just fans can look forward to him.
0: I know all the coaches in Sweden I've spoken to loves him and uh uh there was a reason he was moved up and down the lineup in in Dural Juniors last year with with the different uh uh units and also um he has that little bit of Phil Dono feeling around him. You underestimate him, you underestimate him and suddenly he blossoms and he he just suddenly he's there and and he's everywhere.
1: <laughs> that would be a brilliant case. I love Dano as a two-way, can do everything kind of player. If David Gustafson I I, I agree, like there seems to be that DNA uh uh to mangle a phrase, but I think that that that, that, that there is some of that for sure.
0: Yeah. Um we are again, we're here with Murat Atesh. You can follow him at uh Winnipeg or WPG Murat on Twitter, please do. He's a great guy. Um well, junior starts. So when we when we're letting this go, I'm not sure. But well, junior starts now. Either you're gonna look like an amazing chip, or you're gonna look like a fool. Who's winning it?
1: I <laughs> my Canadian is gonna be showing here. I like Canada's forward depth too 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 much. I'm I'm gonna call Team Canada 2021.
0: Thank you, Murat. Uh, amazing speaking with you, and I'm sure we're gonna catch up a little bit before one of the Winnipeg Jets games or or the stands that is gonna seems like it's going to be two or three games in a row uh, maybe even after the first one so we can get a feeling for for what needs to be changed from either perspective uh, when the season starts and it's only like three weeks until the season starts and we're all excited I know you are Uh, happy holidays everyone Uh, and uh, please stay safe wait for the vaccine wear a mask